Welcome to Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. Let's get started. We were delighted to visit the new Dublin offices of Ward 3. We recorded this podcast in their beautiful lobby and while there is some background noise, you will enjoy a very interesting and insightful conversation. Let's get started. Welcome back to Your Pursuit of Happiness. I'm Laura. I'm Paul. Today we're delighted to have Caitlin Baker and Dave Hudson from Ortree join us. How are you guys? Very well, thank you. Thank you for in- yeah, very well. inviting us. Yeah, Excellent. thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting us to your spanking new offices in Dublin. I'm going to kick it off. Can you give us an overview of your own backgrounds and what you do in Ortree? Uh, so I am the Chief Engineering Officer, so I run the main engineering team for Ortree. Uh, so we actually have quite a number of different engineering teams across the company, um, but the core engineering team builds Quarter, which is our main product, uh, and uh, so we actually uh, build the technology, uh, we provide that, and then various other parts of the organisation will support customers, uh, provide um, technical advice in terms of people who actually want to use the technology and think about what they want to be able to do next. Um, and then what we're doing here is we're, we're uh, planning to build a much larger engineering team because we actually want to do far more work um, and, and support more of our customers. So as part of that, uh, the engineering team has three separate groups and Cat runs one of those engineering groups. Yes, so I am the group lead for the extension engineering team at R3. Uh, what do we do? We pretty much put products into the hands of customers. Everything the kernel group do, we package up and turn into things that are actually useful for people. So that is the core node, you know, the actual quarter as a product, it's the services that run a network, it's the notaries that form part of a quarter network. It's it's really yeah, it's building things out. And partly that's why I'm here in Dublin today, because those are the teams that we're building out here will be building that stuff for people. Mm. And what did you guys do then before R3? Uh, before R3, um, my career was in in-memory databases. Uh, many, many years ago I did my PhD in robotics and AI and then promptly never touched that again. As um, most people, I ran out of funding <laughs> and desperately had to get a job. So yeah. I, I, I threw some contacts and ended up working in the semiconductor industry. Uh, doing sort of real-time dispatching solutions for chip manufacturers to optimise the, the the workflow of a yeah. of a chip inside a semiconductor. Then I just moved on to just managing memory databases. So I've always been low low to the ground, building hardcore systems. Yeah. Uh, ended up at Splunk, because that was quite a cool place to work for a year and a half. But then I was looking for a new opportunity, and I had one in the back pocket, as you should do when you look for a job. But then I got the R three opportunity, and I read about it, and I'm. I hadn't really considered blockchain before mm. because I didn't think there were opportunities in London or yeah. I hadn't really thought about it and I wasn't going to go work for a finance company. Yeah. But then read about the opportunity, got really, really excited, did the interview rounds and really wanted the job mm. uh, and was thrilled when they offered. What about yourself? So I have done all sorts of different sizes of computing. So I started off working for ICL, uh, doing everything from PCs through to mainframes. Mm. So I included mid-range servers, but I ended up working in uh, a company that was doing what these days would be classed as IoT for supermarkets. Mm. Uh, so we were networking 100,000 controllers. Yeah. And uh, so that was actually quite fun. That was in the 90s. And then I spent 17 years commuting backwards and forwards between the UK and California, yeah. uh, working for semiconductor companies, so I, I worked for uh, CPU companies, 
So uh, I did that for quite some time, doing operating system design, uh, chip architecture work. Uh, and then eventually ended up working for another company over there that was in the blockchain space, having got interested in blockchain. And then uh, finally uh, decided to join R3 about two and a half years ago. In fact, oddly enough, Kat and I both started on exactly the same day. Okay. So, um, so the first person I actually met when I joined the firm was Kat. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I did, did that for a long time. Um, but yeah, pretty much all, all pure technology companies. Cool. So um, what do R3 do and where does Dublin fit into that? So uh, R3 builds a platform called Corda, which is a blockchain platform. And it was originally designed in conjunction with a very large number of banks. So uh, the, the company's founders have a background in, in the finance industry. Uh, and so they decided that was the right place to go. And actually it turns out to be a really interesting place for us to have started with because uh, that's the most highly regulated yeah. environment that we could have operated in. So we built a platform to meet the needs of that highly regulated environment, which is slightly different to the way other people came to blockchain. Other people copied the designs that were in the early cryptocurrencies, mm. but they had a different problem to solve. Uh, and with most good engineering, you want to solve the problem that you've been asked to solve, not somebody else's problem. Yeah. Mm. So we chose to do things in a slightly different way. Uh, so the design of Corda was for highly regulated environments. Uh, but it turns out if you can solve for those environments and, and, and solve for the sorts of needs they have, yeah. you can solve for almost everything. Um, so we've got a platform that now is being used in a huge variety of different applications. Uh, we have more and more partners who are building things out in areas we didn't even anticipate because the core technology can do what they need. Um, so we build a platform Corda. Uh, we have uh, some other services that go around it. Uh, we have an enterprise edition. Uh, for customers who want certain capabilities that we don't have in our open source product, but our core platform is open source. Um, and then how, how does this team here fit into it? Well, the core engineering team that builds Corda needed to get bigger. Uh, we also wanted to diversify in terms of locations and talent pool. So we uh, got asked to look at where else we could set up an engineering team. Because previously everything had been based in London. And uh, so this is about six months ago. Yep. And uh, we looked at, uh, I think we looked at 24 different locations worldwide. Okay. Uh, we literally had considered it every way you could possibly imagine doing software mm. engineering. And when it really came down to it, we, we wanted somewhere that was going to be close enough and mm. similar enough that um, it would make be easy to work yep. between the, the, this team and the team in London. Uh, because this team is going to be nearly as big as the team in London by the end of this year. Yep. So yep. we're building up the core capabilities of the platform. Uh, and in fact, for, for R3, it's a little bit unique because all of our other locations are generally sales focused yeah. or they're, they're focused around some sort of aspect of the corporate um, sort of infrastructure. Yeah. But actually, the site we're building here in Dublin is entirely engineering. So it's just the core engineering team plus the support that goes around that. Okay. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about building out in Dublin is one of the concerns when you start thinking, oh, we'll have a second office, is to avoid it being seen as a secondary location yeah, or yeah. just a place where oh, they'll just farm the rubbish they don't want to do. Yeah. I think it's very important that we don't do that and it's not what it is. So yeah. part, of, part of the work we've moved to Dublin and continue to build out in Dublin is, is working on the core platform. It is solving yeah. some of the, the genuinely hard problems that the industry faces and we're going to do it here. Yeah, it's really kind of hands-on, really oh, interesting work. Oh, it's all the hardcore engineering yeah. work that, that, that yeah, yeah. basically all bubbles up to me that goes into the hands of customers. Yeah. Like if. I mean, software engineering is always going to be that weird art where humans and computers like smash into one another and yeah. making that an elegant as possible you know, solution is, is a craft and a skill and we're going to do it here. 
and they're going to do it really well. Excellent. Big question. What do you think would be the biggest changes in technology within financial services in the next one to three years? Straightforward. (laughs) Very straightforward. I think we're contractually obliged to say blockchain. (laughs) But I I think if you look at it now, you have an awful lot of platforms, either in POC or sort of live, but they're not really. I think the biggest change in the next three years will be the the sort of POC proof of concepts now going live and getting mass adoption. Mm. And you're seeing the changes that brings across the industry. Like instant settlement across two parties will massively simplify Mm. the way to organisations operate with one another. Um, going out further, smart contracts greatly democratise the way mm. humans interact with corporations. Mm. And that will be a massive fundamental shift. Mm. Okay. Well, I think what, we, what we're already seeing, uh, and we've seen this over the last year or so, um, is we've already seen industries that have found it very, very difficult to uh, consolidate around uh, sort of standard platforms and they're actually more readily able to embrace what we're doing with blockchain platforms. And I think that's actually a huge difference. So we've seen this in industries that still use lots of paper, yep. lots of emails, lots of PDFs, <coughs> um, emailing each other spreadsheets around. Yep. Um, and we can actually replace a lot of that with uh, this sort of technology. So, I mean, clearly we, we, we wouldn't be here if we didn't think that yeah, yeah. Uh, blockchain as a concept made sense. But I think what we're also seeing is we're seeing other people who are trying to tie in other, other things into that. So they're using that platform to provide the mechanism to connect uh, different businesses together. Uh, but they're also using it as an opportunity to upgrade some of their other systems yeah. and they can actually layer things on top of that as well. So I think we'll see a lot more work in the machine learning space around uh, sort of technologies that can be applied based on, on the data that's available yeah. from these platforms. I think the other thing that... Um, I mean, clearly, I, th- I think is really exciting is that um, it's not just financial services that mm. that gets to benefit from this. Yeah. I mean, we actually have partners who are looking at uh, big applications in the healthcare space. Mm. We have applications in the supply chain industry. We have applications in uh, automotive. Uh, there's, there's lots of different uses for the same tech. Yeah. But it's something that everybody can ride the same wave at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, the best uh, of breed in each area gets into the one core platform and so everybody gets to leverage that and leverage all of those capabilities as they're developed. I mean essentially if you when you boil down the blockchain problem the thing called a solve for everybody is how do we how do you and I or you and anybody else exchange something Mm. and know that you've exchanged it and trust the the provenance of the thing you've exchanged yeah and that is applicable to pretty much every business problem cross-business, intra-business, every personal human problem. And that, that's what we call a self-support. Yeah, in terms of blockchain, um, we've, we've started to see a change, I think, in the last 12 months in particular, where it's not just, well, first of all, people are moving away from blockchain, crypto, and that kind of link. Uh, and people are seeing the advantages of distributed ledger technology, etc. But we started to kind of move from concepts to actual real-world mm. cases. Are you, it sounds like you're seeing very similar things. Yeah, I think we're seeing exactly the same thing. You Initially, you had the, the hype was all around the cryptocurrencies yeah. and the ICOs. That was fine, that was part of the hype wave. But looking at, like last year, you had some serious organisations doing real POCs and yeah. really showing that you can make this work. Yeah. And I think what we're going to see this year and have seen is that going into production and really leveraging yeah. it. I think that's something we've seen, we saw last year, we, we saw people going live last year, yeah. uh, some fairly big things that had taken two, three, 
years to actually build. Yeah. Um, and that's actually one of the challenges is being in a regulated space is, is getting those things um, through the regulatory hurdles. And that's what we, we've now actually seen happening. Um, and we've seen some anecdotal evidence of people you know, getting significant benefits from adopting a new platform that they mm. can unify around. So I think that's actually really exciting. Um, and, and we know there are some huge opportunities coming. Uh, there's some yeah. big networks going to go live this year. Um, and uh, so one of our partners who's based here in Dublin, uh, the engineering team, Trade IX, are putting their systems live this year as well. Yeah. And that's going to be a very, very large network in the supply chain space, so uh, and, and the trade finance space rather. In terms of the diversity landscape within technology, and I suppose in terms of blockchain, uh, where do you see that at the minute? Do you see it changing? Your thoughts on that? I certainly believe the whole industry has a lot of work to do in this area. Yeah. Mm. I think it's something that um, I I'm very conscious of the fact that I think that the technology industry as a whole has not been particularly good. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's something I've tried to try to support changing some of that mindset. Okay. Um, I, I think clearly, I mean, Kat's got a far more personal view of this as well, but I, I think it's something that we have to do much better at it because mm. we risk not having the best and brightest people in the space. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I've always supported is I believe there's a huge value in diversity of thought. Yes. If you're designing things and you're trying to come up with creative solutions to things, the most uh, effective design teams I've ever worked with have been, pe have been ones where the people in those teams have a very wide range of, of expertise in very, very different areas and they get to bring ideas from different fields together mm. and that really requires that diversity of thought and diversity of experience. Mm. Uh, and I think it's incredibly important that we do that and, and, and actually actively seek mm. that sort of diversity. Mm. It's, an, it's one of those things that if you look at the engineering team that we created in, in London and with the same things already happening here in Dublin, we have a huge amount of diversity in terms of nationalities and in terms of where people come from and they have a different perspective on things and they've seen different things yeah. and experienced different things. I think it's really, really useful. Um, very important. I think R3 as a whole has, has done that. I think yeah. uh, we actually, if, if you actually ever visit the, the offices in London and New York, we haven't done it here yet because we're a bit too new, uh, but we actually have all the flags up for every, yeah. every country that's yes. represented in the company. Um, and last time I checked, we were at, I think, 46, 47 different nationalities yeah. in, in the firm. Uh, that's fewer than 300 people. Yeah. But in the engineering team, there's about 50-something of us now, and we have 23 different nationalities. So I think that's something we've done well at. Other areas, we could do better, and we are trying to. But I think, in general, the, the industry could always do better. I mean, it is, it's not quite fair to say that it's hostile towards you know, women, you know, the, mm. if, to pick a group that I would have personal experience of. It is not, it used to be quite hostile. It's still, in some ways, hostile, but I think it's changed to be just moderately lonely mm. in terms of it's alienating and it's hard to get into. I think it has improved. I think mm. our, to take our three as an example, we have like four women on the engineering team now. That's which, fantastic. Which is really good and that does help because you do have, especially in something like blockchain where one of the classic parts of it is it's immutable and then you have people going, um, if I get married, I might change my name. Mm. And you have, if you don't have that type of diversity of thought, and people go, oh, yeah. I have thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But I think it's got good. I think our three's done very well. I think we did have a problem. Mm. Um, thought, you know, we didn't manage to hire another woman after me for about two years. Okay. Um, not because it was 
institutional and not because we weren't trying, mm. but it was, go, we had to go back and look at things like, what does our job advert say? Yeah. How is this even, what are we looking for? Yeah. Yeah. How is this possibly putting off people yeah. that we yeah. want to get in the door? And I think we've done, having done that work to say, oh, actually that read fine, mm. but you know, some expert will quite happily say, actually, that's quite alienating language, you should yeah. phrase it this yeah. way. Then it does change who you're bringing in. Is it, if you look at our recruitment team now, that's much more diverse. So mm. they're hunting out different people. And they are really bringing in a different, a more diverse set of people. Yeah. Um, in, so I, I don't recruit in tech, Laura does, obviously, mm. but I know from, we, we do stats for one of our larger clients. Mm-hmm. Um, on the non-tech side, we're better at... Uh, mm presenting diverse slates of candidates. And I know on your side, it, mm. it's often not, it's very yeah. much skewed towards males, but it seems to be that that is the bulk of the population out there mm. if you're looking for an experienced developer. Yeah. You know, 95% are male. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I suppose I'm wondering, A, is blockchain, because it, it's it's quite new, it's quite innovative, is there an opportunity there with blockchain being that way to encourage more women into it? I think so, because it's a space you can't be wrong in. Yeah. Mm. The, um, the the product called it as it exists now is not the product that Dave and I sat out and were working on two and a half, three years ago. Like we had something that the industry has massively grown up in three years. Mm. It's changed. What we're building has changed. We've and we've driven some of that thinking. Um, I think a lot of people are scared to come into established industries and yeah. be different and change yeah. what's happening because yeah, yeah. it's you know this is the status quo. It's done this way because that's the way it's done. Blockchain doesn't have that. Yeah. It's a very hard space to be wrong in at the moment because no one knows yeah. what the future holds. Yeah. It's just exciting to help build it. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a great opportunity for, especially for new engineers, yeah. especially women, especially people of colour, anybody who yeah. wants to get involved and not feel like an outsider. I think it's very inclusive. I, I, I think one of the other things that's interesting is perhaps there's an element of what the technology is about that offers an opportunity to do things slightly differently and to think mm. slightly differently. So I think typically in a lot of technology uh, companies it's quite adversarial in the sense that you are trying to win at all costs against everybody else um, and you're selling to people yeah. who are being adversarial in terms of how they're using the technology, they're yeah. using it to get a commercial advantage. Mm. One of the things that blockchain is actually for is to allow for those competitive thing, uh, elements to, to still happen but there's a lot of collaboration that happens as well. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's, there's an opportunity uh, for companies who actually want to mutualise costs and to actually collaborate over things yeah. that really had no differentiation. Um, and I think that's, that's been something that's rather definingly different about blockchain. Yeah. Certainly that's one of the reasons I'm interested is because it's building a platform that allows people to collaborate over things that frankly offer them no differentiation, uh, but to actually then compete over the things that do. Uh, so replacing sort of legacy mechanisms for doing things with something else. But I think that does mean that the sort of thought process that leads to is it leads to people who would normally have a quite adversarial approach looking at the world and going, well, actually, we can cooperate yeah. on, in these areas. We've touched on a lot of these points already, but why would someone want to join OR3? Uh, okay, so there's, there's, lots of reasons, there's lots of reasons why you might want to join OR3. We have lots and lots of interesting roles, but actually if you look at R3's engineering, um, I think we are building one of the most interesting and exciting platforms in computing right now. So outside of the specific uses in finance or, or in other particular industries, um, there is an opportunity that occurs very rarely to actually go and solve a completely new problem. 
and mm. solve a problem that hasn't been deeply thought about in many cases in this, this particular case it's not really even had the academic research to, mm. to support some of this so it's it's something that's uh, a, a sort of a unique and interesting challenge for technologists yeah. because you can really make a name for yourself in, in, in this area um, and most engineers love solving new problems mm. they don't want to be told how to solve a problem yeah. or, or just go and solve it it's like Beth and somebody else did um, so that's actually you know, totally mm. totally different um, certainly to me this is something that uh, I've been involved in building network systems for a very very long time and I've never seen anything that has the same sort of characteristics to it so it's really exciting from that perspective um, I think it also has the opportunity to scale in ways that we haven't really thought about so far. So you can build big versions, small versions, fast versions, mm. uh, inexpensive versions, versions of the technology that can be used for all sorts of different applications and uses. Um, I don't know of any technologist who doesn't want to, to, to work in those sorts of problem spaces. Yeah. Fantastic. And finally, what do you look for outside the technical competencies when you're interviewing somebody? Passion, curiosity, I find if someone is passionate about something, it doesn't matter what it is, it will be interesting and they will be interesting. Okay. Um, it could be anything from, if someone is genuinely passionate about stamp collecting, mm. then they will make you interested in it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I would just say passion. Sell you on the enthusiasm. Yeah, well yeah. That, that's it. If, someone's into, if, if they can communicate as well, then mm. it will be better, but you will, you will go away going, oh, that's cooler than yeah. I thought. Yeah, might give it a Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that that uh, appetite for wanting to do something new, to do something and learn as you're doing it, I think that is absolutely invaluable. Um, we're building something that's unusual. We're going to have to come up with some new ways of doing it. We'll come up with some completely new approaches that aren't ones that exist right now. Um, so we're not going to find people who, off the shelf, are going to be the perfect sort of candidate. We're going to find people who want to join this journey and, and, and solve problems. Mm. So uh, I think we look for people who want to solve problems. And the other thing is that because it is a new space, some of those people have been in the industry for a very long time, mm. in, in, in sort of uh, computing sector for a long time. Some of them are straight out of college. Some of them have come in from some very unconventional backgrounds. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, we're going to get that really interesting perspective and that enthusiasm to build something new. Great. Dave, Cass, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. For show notes and other goodies, go to www.toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. That's toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and feel free to rate and review the show. We appreciate your support. See you next time.